Okay, we are into uh, the study of the book of Judges. Uh, and uh, on uh, yesterday, Pastor uh, Joel uh, preached and he was focusing on Jephthah alone. But uh, I thought I want to do justice to all the judges in the book of Judges. So uh, I will quickly just cover Tola and Jair. So the next slide, you will see that uh, in Judges 10 verse 1, uh, after the time of Abimelech, a man of Issachar named Tola, son of Pua, not Jeremy Pua, uh, the son of Dodo. The only Dodo I know is the Dodo Cheng from Hong Kong TVB. Yeah? Uh, rose to save Israel. He lived in Shamil in the hill country of Ephraim. He led Israel 23 years. Then he died and was buried in Shamil. And the next judge is Jair. In verse 3, he was followed by Jair of Gilead, who led Israel 22 years. He had 30 sons who rode 30 BMWs or donkeys. They controlled 30 towns in Gilead, which to this day are called Havoth Jair. When Jair died, he was buried in Kamon. Yeah, so what are the key takeaways from these two judges? Yeah, so... These two judges, actually, they are not mighty warriors. They didn't really fight. And uh, it is at this time where there is relative peace in Israel, and Israel spiraled down uh, that, that way again. So the key takeaways is that these two judges, they have affluence, but they have no influence over Israel. Yeah? So in the time of peace and prosperity, Israel spiraled into their sin cycle again. So we pray that even now that the elections uh, are over, that those people that we have voted into power, that they will not just be people of affluence, but they will truly be people of influence and they will make an impact to the nation. Amen? So let's pray that uh, for them. So... Here we go again. They went into this sin cycle all over again. And in verse 6, we read, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served Him, He became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years... They oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead, the land of the Amorites. So what did the nation of Israel do when that happened? Israel cried out to God and they repented. And we read this in verse 10, the next slide. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you forsaking our God and serving the Baals. So right now, I'd like you to turn to your Bibles. You're supposed to bring your Bibles to church. Uh, whether it's a digital device or it's a physical Bible, let's read verse 11 to 14 on how God responded uh, when Israel cried out to Him and repented. In verse 11, so this is the initial reply of God. The Lord replied, when the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Maonites, the one who created mayonnaise, oppressed you, and you cried to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods. So I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. So this was the initial response of God. And in verse 15, we read, But the Israelites said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. Isn't that how we behave at times? When we are in trouble, we cry out to the Lord. 
then when there's a relative peace and prosperity in our life, we forget about God. Then after that, you know, when things don't go our way, we cry again to God. And that was the sin cycle of the nation of Israel. But in verse 16, this was the turning point when Israel cried out and repented. The next slide. This is truly God's heart for the Israelites. And we read in verse 16, And He, the Lord, could bear Israel's misery no longer. And this is the same uh, God that has the heart for each one of us. That when we cry out to Him, He will answer us. When we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. Because God's heart for us is always redemptive and restorative, full of compassion and mercy. So God was leading Israel to this place of earnestness, of intensity, of reality and repentance. And may He also lead our beloved nation, Malaysia, to this place, that Malaysia will come to this place of earnestness, intensity, reality, and repentance. And even as we come to this place, we will know and know in our hearts that there is no God. There is no other God except our Father God, Yahweh, who can deliver this nation. Hallelujah. So let us continue to know that this is truly God's heart for each one of us. And in the next slide, when the, the threat of the Ammonites came, the Israelites cried out to God. When the Ammonites were called to arms and came in Gilead, the Israelites assembled and, and came at Mizpah. The leaders of the people of Gilead said to each other, whoever will take the lead in attacking the Ammonites will be hit over all who live in Gilead. And now we are being introduced uh, to this character named Jephthah in chapter 11 of Judges. So I've titled uh, my sermon message, Know God's Heart for You, and we'll be covering these four points. So own your identity in God, own and guard God's victories, own up to God, be a man of honour, own Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Okay, so the next slide, uh, please indulge me even as I give you the meaning of my name, yeah? As well as Jephthah's name. Yeah, so I can really, really resonate with Jephthah uh, because the short form of his name, Jephthah, is Jeff. So my name, Jeffrey, you call me short form, is also Jeff. So it sounds alike, right? So Jephthah, Jeff, Jeffrey, Jeff, yeah. So the meaning of Jephthah is to open or to release. So if you have been here a few weeks ago, how many of you, you were here when Pastor Philip Lin preached on uh, the Jabez prayer? Yeah, so the meaning of names is very significant. So in this uh, chapter, chapter 11, Jephthah's name is to open or to release. And we will study later on that he had to release his one and only child, his daughter, to the Lord. So for me, my name is God's divine peace or rest. And the key verse over my life throughout these years, and this is my all-time favorite verse, is Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So my wife who was here at the second service can testify that I always live by this verse. And this has been my life motto for many, many years. And like the Cantonese saying, Tin Tit Lok Tong Pei Kam. Yeah, so I always have this spirit of restedness that no matter what happens, I always have this restedness and peace in the Lord. And why this verse is very significant to me is the reference, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. 
11.28, remember that date is my birthday. <laughs> so this verse is truly uh, my verse uh, and I always claim it for myself. So uh, if uh, any one of you, you want a Hebrew name or you want an English name for your child or your grandchild, Jeffrey is a good name, yeah? Uh, and if your surname is Tay, goodness gracious, please don't name your child or your grandchild Habakkuk, you know, because if your surname is Tay, people will call him Habakute, you know. So, so sorry to those who are surname Tay, just a joke, okay? Yeah, so who was Jephthah? So in Judges 11 verse 1 to 3, he was a mighty warrior and a son of a prostitute. The father was Gilead and he had brothers. He was rejected by the brothers due to his status. Uh, he left home and settled in the land of Tob, and he was a gang leader of scoundrels. Yeah, so Jephthah was rejected by his brother because he was the son of another woman, a prostitute. He was an outcast and being rejected, he went to the land of Tob. Tob in Hebrew really means good or goodness. So actually he went to a land of goodness and he was a happy-go-lucky guy. He was the leader of a bunch of worthless men. If you read the New King James Version, this bunch of men, they are called worthless men. They are desperados. They are idle men looking for action. So it sounds familiar. It sounds like these men are like the same characteristic of David's mighty men. So if you are familiar with the story of King David, uh, he had a bunch of mighty men. We call them the 3D army. So they were distressed in debt and desperado. So Jephthah worked with this kind of people. So the Israelites cry out to Jephthah, after having sent him away, they now come back to Jephthah and in Judges 11 verse 6, this is what they have to say to Jephthah. Then they say to Jephthah, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. And again, let's read how Jephthah responded to them in verse 7 to 10 in your Bibles. Yeah, so Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, Nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you will be hate over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your hate? Verse 10, the elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. And in verse 11, Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him hate and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. So if you are familiar with this place called Mizpah, in Genesis 31, verses 43 to 50, this was the famous covenant or agreement between Laban and Jacob. And the place Mizpah simply means that God will watch over your word to see that you fulfill it. If you do wrong according to this covenant or this promise, God will see it and he is the one who will punish. So this place, Mizpah, is very significant. So what is the key lesson for us here? Yeah, so Jephthah was an outcast. He was a reject. Uh, he was sent away by his brothers. And sometimes, even for us, we tend to judge people because of their past. I don't know how many of us, even for myself, sometimes we may be very judgmental when we see a person being appointed as a leader or even as a pastor. We may say to God, 
Ah, yeah, this fella, can one man, you know, uh, why is he a leader? Why is he appointed a leader? And we tend to judge the person based on their past. Yeah, so this is not what God's heart is for us. And we, are, we should learn from this not to judge one another uh, on the basis of our past. God certainly doesn't judge us that way. His call to each one of us is never based on our past, but rather when He calls us, it is really prophetic. It is really what you will be in the future. And it is my prayer that each and every one of us, we will truly fulfill the prophetic destiny that God has for each one of us. Amen? And, and Paul has this to say in the New Testament, and he testified this about himself. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointed me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Please excuse me. How many of us, we can really identify with Jephthah? I'm not saying that you are a son or a daughter of a prostitute, but have you ever in your life been rejected even by your own family members? And maybe your own family members have said certain things or certain words that are not so... Uh, good to you and it has affected your life. So for me, I can truly identify with Jephthah. You see, when I was 13 years old and if my siblings are logging in online, this could possibly be the first time that I share this publicly and perhaps this is the first time that I, I, no, they, they listen to this as well. I'm not sure whether I've shared it with them, I can't remember. But when I was 13 years old, when my father was sending me to tuition that night, uh, he spoke to me and he said, you know, you have an elder sister, so I have already a daughter. And you have an elder brother, so I already have a son. So one daughter, one son. You know, Jeffrey, actually you are an accident case. So imagine at 13 years old, being told by your own father that you are an accident case. How does that make me feel? Yeah? So, so it was like, what? You know? uh, and, and it was also at the same age when I was 13 years old that in the bus scholar that I take to school, you know, there was this 11-year-old Bukit Bintang Girls School, BBGS girl. So she's only 11 years old. But this 11-year-old evangelist in the bus scholar, you know, uh, actually she's a very pretty girl. Uh, and I was actually eyeing her. You know, back in those days, uh, we, we date so early on. Uh, yeah. uh, so our first date, this 11-year-old took a 13-year-old to Evangel Book Centre. Yeah, so uh, I don't know how many of you, you know Avenger Bookstore. Okay, you've been there. So back in those days, you know, there's these comic tracks that they used to sell. So she bought a few of those comic tracks for me. Uh, and that was my first exposure to Christianity. So this 11-year-old girl, she has migrated. Even my wife knows her. Up until today, she is still my friend. Yeah, so... So she had a great influence in my life and it was during that time right until when I got baptized at the age of 19, Father God really refathered me. So although 
My own father said that I was an accident case, but Father God refathered me, and through the years I have seen how he refathered me from one who's called an accident case, one by one. My parents became Christian, my siblings became Christian, and although I'm the youngest in the family, I was actually the first among many, many things that the Lord has blessed me with. I was the first to own a car, first to own a house, first to get married, first to have a child, first to have a grandchild, and the Lord has truly blessed me when I work in a bank, I was promoted to be executive vice president. And truly, I am not an accident case. And neither is any one of you. Amen. So this is our identity in Christ. That when you are in the Lord and you own Him as your Father God, you are definitely not a reject. You are not an outcast. You are not an accident case. Amen? So let's declare this on the screen uh, and change the you to I, okay? Ready? One, two, three. I am not an accident case. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in Him. I will not despise myself. I'm highly valued in God's eyes. I am in Christ, always accepted and in the loving presence of Father God. Amen. So this is God's heart for you, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are deeply loved by Him, you are highly favoured, and you are greatly blessed. May we be like the Apostle John, who always calls himself the Apostle whom Jesus loved. May we practice this in our life. So, I mean, last time when I read the Gospel, I said, wow, this Apostle John, uh, so self-conceited one, always call himself the apostle whom Jesus loved. So, you mean the rest of the apostles not loved by Jesus, man? But this is how he practiced his status and his being in the Lord. So, when we know our status, our identity in Christ, service to the Lord flows out of our being. Amen? So know your identity in Christ. So the next one is uh, having made peace with his kinsmen along with the brothers and the elders, uh, it was time to take action. So Jephthah displayed holy bonus to own and guard God's victory for Israel because actually the land was God's uh, a promise to Israel, uh, which God won for Israel. So let's read from verse 12. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon, saying, What do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? So although Jephthah was an illegitimate child, he knows a bit of the Torah and the history of Israel. So he went on to negotiate with the people of Ammon uh, in order to avoid going to war with them. And he approached them based on these four approaches. Number one, the next slide, he approached them and uh, talked to them about history. So the Lord God is the one who dispossessed the Amorites Verse 14 to 22. Then he went on to talk to them about theology. Our one true God gave the land to us. What did your God, Chemosh, give you? Verses 22, 23 to 24. Then he went on to precedence. Remember the story of Balak who wanted to curse the nation of Israel and he failed miserably. So Jephthah asked uh, the Ammonites, are you better than Balak? And the last uh, approach that he had with the Ammonites is time limitation. And he asked, why didn't you claim the land for 300 years? So whatever the Ammonites claim did not hold water. And these are the four approaches that Jephthah did. So Jephthah made a stand 
to own and guard God's victory that He has won for Israel. So, he ended his argument by declaring in verse 27, the next slide, Therefore, I have not sinned against you, but you wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. So my dear brothers and sisters, like Jephthah, may we make a stand to own and guard the victories that God has won for us individually and as a church corporately, even as we read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 57 to 58. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? So always own and guard God's victories for you. So every step of the way when God has given the victory to you, own it and guard it. And let not our Christian walk be like you make three steps forward, but you move back five steps. Yeah? So let us continue to progress even in our Christian walk, in our journey, own and guard God's victories for you. Amen? So the key takeaways from this point is all that Jesus has accomplished through His finished work is our inheritance today. Yeah? So just as the nation of Israel, God has given the promised land to them, let us uh, uh, own and the accomplishment through the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is truly our inheritance. And the next point is, we have the victory in Christ Jesus and we fight from a position of victory. So we have sung, that truly the battle belongs to the Lord and truly the victory is won in our Lord Jesus Christ. And the last point is, stand firm and let nothing move us. Amen? So we pray even for our nation that now that the general election is over, that the MPs and the Aduns who have been voted into power uh, by the choice of the Rakyat, and especially the Christian uh, MPs in our midst, we pray that they will own and guard the victory that God has given them. Amen? And that they, they will truly represent the rakyat properly and with the fear of the Lord. So let's move on to the next point, which is own up to God, be a man of honour. So in verse 29, we read, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he advanced toward the people of Ammon. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer up as a burnt offering. So this was truly a rash vow that Jephthah made to the Lord. Imagine whatever comes out of the door of his house. So he was thinking maybe a goat will come out or maybe you know, a cow will come out from the house, but I don't think we put our cows in the house, right? So I really do not know why he made this vow. And we read in verse 32 uh, from your Bibles, uh, in, in chapter 11, uh, verse 32, this is what, you know, happened. Then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns from Aroa to the vicinity of Minith as far as Abel Karamim. Thus Israel subdued Ammon. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him 
but his daughter dancing to the sound of timbrels. She was an only child. Except for her, he has neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down and I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. And in verse 36, this is what the daughters say to him. So she said to him, My father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according uh, to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. <clears throat> and it was so in the end of two months that she returned to her father and he carried out his vow with her, which she had vowed. She knew no man. So as we can read from these verses in verses 36 to 39, Jephthah apparently brought up her daughter well as she went along with her father's vow. So the daughter didn't run away from home, which she could if she wanted to, but she flew along with the father's vow that he made to the Lord. And uh, from what we read just now, she went along so that Jephthah kept his vow to the Lord. So the big question for all of us, did Jephthah really sacrifice the daughter on the altar? So my answer and my stand when I read scripture is a big no. Yeah? So Jephthah did not really sacrifice the daughter on the altar as a burnt offering and burn her alive because human sacrifices are an abomination to God under the law. So she went with her friends and bewailed her virginity. She knew no man, indicating that it is more likely that Jephthah set his daughter aside for the tabernacle service according to the principle of Leviticus 27. So you can read about this. And Jephthah is also listed in Hebrews 11.32 as a hero of faith. So if he really sacrificed his daughter, he would not be listed as a hero of faith. And also, why would the daughter want to reveal her virginity if tomorrow she dies? Yeah? So, so this gives me the indication that truly Jephthah did not physically sacrifice the daughter. Actually, Jephthah, if he knew the Torah a bit more, he could actually even release the daughter from the vow that he made to God just by paying 10 shekels to the temple priest and the daughter can be released of this vow. Yeah? But because he did not know his Torah that well, so he went on with this vow. So the point here is, own up to God, be a man of honour. How many of you by a show of hands, in your lifetime, you have made a promise or a vow to God before. I see a few hands being raised. But the vow that we made, I'm sure, is different from what Jephthah made. You see, God does not need you to negotiate with Him. And I hope none of us in this room or those in online we have made such a vow, God, if you do this for me, if I get the promotion, if I get the deal, if you bless me, then I will do this for you. This kind of vows, uh, really the Lord do not appreciate this kind of vows. Yeah? And you do not need to negotiate with God that way. So the vows that we make to God is really out of our gratitude to Him because of what He has done in our life. We want to serve Him more. We want to come into that place where we want to fulfill the prophetic destiny that God has in our life. Then we made that promise 
we make that vow to the Lord. Amen? So that is the kind of vow that we can make to God, but not the type where we negotiate with Him, like what Jephthah did in this chapter. So, God honours the man who so fears and reverences Him. In Psalm 15 verse 4, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. So because Jephthah was a man of honour and full of faith, he was listed among the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 verse 32. And this is what we read. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised. Even the prophet Samuel made mention of Jephthah in 1 Samuel 12 verse 11. So even in my life, uh, I have made a vow to God before. So many, many years ago, when I was 19 years old, after my baptism, I made a vow to God that I will serve Him full-time one day. But after making that vow, you know, I forgot totally about that vow. I went to work in a bank. I rose up the ranks uh, to become an executive vice president, uh, quite a high position in the bank. And through the years, I have forgotten about this vow. It was not until when I first came to SIBKL in 2001, uh, there was this seminar conducted by Pastor Paul Ang. It was a prophetic seminar. Uh, and he singled me out together with two other gentlemen and he prophesied this over me and he gave this verse to me in Zechariah 3 verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says, if you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts and I will give you a place among those standing here. So with this prophecy and this verse being spoken over my life, I ran with it. I enrolled myself to Tongling Seminary, spent three and a half years doing the pastoral internship program, passed it uh, somewhat with flying colours. But after that, I still did not fulfil my vow. Uh, and it was not until one day, uh, if you have been to SIB for a long, long time, you will remember back in those days, if you are a newcomer, you don't get the beautiful mark that you get now, but all you ever get is a red sticker, newcomer, visitor. So that sticker is still in my Bible. So I remember I wrote the date 1701, and that was the date that I first stepped into SIBKL. And that sticker is still in my Bible at home. So I remember 172017, 17 years later, when I read the Bible and I did my quiet time, the Lord reminded me, Son, you have made a vow to me and you have not fulfilled your vow. So I was wrestling with God. I was struggling because executive vice president in the bank. Wow, now I want to come full-time at Jalat, you know. So I was really wrestling and struggling. And, you know, after wrestling with God, I said, I cannot wrestle anymore. No energy anymore. I went to see Pastor Chu. And his initial response to me is, Serious, ah? No, la, no, la, don't come, la. I cannot pay you, la, you know. Continue to work in the bank, you know, you can still serve one, you know. It's okay, it's okay. You know, so we journeyed for a few months together and it was not until later, a few months down the road, there was this speaker from International House of Prayer, IHOP, by the name of Daniel Lim. He came to speak in our church 
And he gave a very peculiar altar call. So he said, any one of you, if you have made a vow to God and you have not fulfilled that vow, please come forward for the altar call. So I look at Pastor Chiu, Pastor Chiu look at me and say, oh, this is it. You know? so, so he prayed for me uh, and uh, he continued to journey with me and I came on board 2018. So all glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, when I came on board, was it a smooth journey? It was also not a smooth journey. My mother, the first thing that came out from her mouth is, so it was also not a, a very smooth journey for me, but I thank God that looking back, I have no regrets. And this is truly a higher calling that I am now serving full-time in the church. Amen. Okay, so the key takeaways from this point is own up to God, be a man or a woman of honour, Never make promises or vows that you cannot keep. Own up to God to be released from it if you really cannot fulfill it. Yeah, God is a very understanding God. If you really, really cannot fulfill it, you know, just come to the Lord and just admit it or own up to Him. So let what you say be simply a yes or a no. Anything more than this comes from evil be a man or a woman of honour, and keeping one's vow is an act of faith. So even throughout the campaigning during the elections, we have heard many manifestos, many promises from all the candidates, you know, and, and it is our prayer that may the new government's representatives be men and women of honour that they will really carry out what they say they will do and they will do whatever they say for their constituents and for the nation. Amen? And my last point is, own Christ as your Lord and your Saviour. So when I was studying this passage, I said, Lord, this passage, uh, what can I draw from this passage? It's about this Ephraimites uh, not being able to pronounce this word, Shibboleth. So maybe they pronounce it in a Hokkien way, Shibboleth. You know? <laughs> so I don't know how they pronounce this. So because they could not pronounce this word properly, and it is truly a sad story for the nation of Israel. At that time, 42,000 Ephraimites were needlessly killed. They were either saved or condemned to die by that one word, Shibboleth. So I was asking the Lord, what lessons can we draw from this? So the Lord led me to this in a similar way. You and I, we are saved by the very name, the only name that you can be saved. And there is the name Jesus. Amen? So it is by that one name that we are saved. So in Acts 2.21, it says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in Matthew 7.21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it is not just simply saying Jesus, 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 but it is truly your faith in Christ. True faith in Christ versus false profession. Only God knows and only you yourself know whether you truly have faith in Christ or whether you're just professing the name of Christ but you don't have faith in Him. So let God be the judge. Amen? So afterwards, I'll be giving an, uh, not really an altar call, just wanting you to just stand up wherever you are because I've spoken to even some of my cell members they are very fearful of this verse in Matthew 7, 21. And some of them are even not sure 
of their own salvation. If that is you this morning, I would want to pray for you afterwards. Amen? So what are the key takeaways from this point? Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Truly believe and receive Him into your heart. It is not just a mere profession of His name, it is your faith in Him. Own Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour. Amen. So can I have the worship team uh, up in front uh, on the stage? And this is the concluding remark even from Jephthah in Judges 12 verse 7. And Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried among the cities of Gilead. So my dear brothers and sisters and those who are tuning online, Jephthah's story of faith shows God's heart for each one of us. That when we trust God's promises, He can use us even when those closest to us reject us. So remember that truly God is always there for us and with us. And let us claim Jeremiah 29, 11 that you see on the screen. Let's read it aloud and let us claim this for ourselves. Ready? One, two, three. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So my brothers and sisters, claim this for yourself that truly this is God's heart for you because God Himself is the one telling you, I know. Who knows? It is the Lord who knows. I know the plans I have for who? For you, for you and for you. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I really do not know what you're going through this morning, but if that is you and you feel that truly my future look bleak, I've just been retrenched. I have probably, some of you, you have probably lost a business deal or whatever circumstances that you are in right now. Know that God's heart for you is always to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And I just want to go on by reading the next few verses in verse 12 of Jeremiah 29. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Let's close our eyes even as we bring this to a close. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if that is you this morning and you say in your heart to the Lord, Lord, I know your heart for me is to prosper me and not to harm me, that you have a plan to give me hope and a future. And I want to claim this for my life. If that is you this morning, can I encourage you to stand to your feet and I will pray for you. Father God, you see this standing in your midst, O Lord. I pray, O Lord, that whatever situation that they may be in this morning, I pray in Jesus' name that they will know and know in their heart, O Lord, that truly the heart of Father God for each one of them is truly to prosper them and not to harm them, to give them a hope and a future. And I pray for these dear ones, Lord, that just as 
they are standing now in your midst, O Lord, and even for those who are online. I pray, O Lord, that in the days ahead, you will truly bring forth the increase in their life, that truly they will fulfill the prophetic destiny that you have for each one of them, Lord, and they will know and know in their hearts, Lord, that you are a God who will never fail them nor forsake them. So I speak a blessing over my brothers and sisters here. I pray, O Lord, that in the days ahead, Lord, they will truly testify of your goodness and of your greatness and truly it will come into fulfillment in their life in this lifetime, O Lord. So we thank you. We bless you, Lord. And I want to give another call. Uh, please be seated. Thank you. I want to give another call for those of you, if you have made a vow to God, you have promised the Lord that you will want to serve Him, not necessarily full-time, but you have made a promise to the Lord and you have yet to fulfill the vow or the promise. And this morning, even as you have heard the message, you say to God, Lord, I want to fulfill the vow that I made to you. If that is you this morning, can I encourage you to stand to your feet and I will pray for you. Stand, you one. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. Up in the balcony, anyone? Thank you, sister. And those at home, make your living room or wherever you're tuning in, let that be an altar to the Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, you see this one standing before you. And I pray, Lord, that whatever vows or promise that they have made to you, I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen them, that they will, in the fullness of time, answer the call that you have on their life, O Lord. And I pray that they will fulfill the promise and that vow that they have made to you. So I pray that you strengthen them. I pray that you will truly guide them Lanka Demi Lanka to fulfill the vow that they have made before you. I speak a blessing over their life and I pray, Lord, that truly they will serve you and they will fulfill this vow that they have made to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me declare Psalm 128 over all of you and over our beloved nation, Malaysia. Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Malaysia all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace beyond Malaysia. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for coming. Please continue to pray for the nation. Please continue to know that the battle is the Lord. It is not over yet. We continue to press on and to pray. So God bless you. Have a blessed day and a wonderful week ahead. God bless. I'll see you again.